0: Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen and tie, buckle, slip on or lace up your shoes and join me as we begin our Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey, everybody. Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 106 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So this has been an episode that I have started and stopped several times. Every once in a while, this happens to me. And typically it happens for two reasons. One, I'm disorganized, which partly was this. And two, it's it's a topic that's difficult and easy for me to get rambling or off topic or emotional. And so given that these next handful of episodes are coming about in late August and September into October. Change is, a big, is big on my mind right now. And so I got really thinking about it, and, and I've tried a couple of times to start talking about change and how I deal with it and why. And I've gone off on all these different tangents, much like the starting of this particular episode. Anyway, episode 106 will be about change. So as this is being recorded, it's late August, and it's a cold, rainy, very, very typical early fall day in New England. And the rain for me is a trigger. I have a very, very sort of anxious and negative connection to rain. I've mentioned before, when I have memories in my head, a good memory, a happy memory, it's sunny, it's daylight. And I remember the memory in that sort of reality. When I have bad memories, even if they happened on sunny days, my memories tend to be at night or it's raining and and the overriding color is gray. And so... Summer going into fall it has traditionally for me been quite a negative trigger. The first time that I was ever sexually abused was the month of November. And fall, September and October were often asthmatic months for me. As the seasons changed, as the heat came on, all those triggers for my asthma would begin to occur. And I was often quite sick between Halloween and Thanksgiving. I was traditionally hospitalized. So add in sickness and abuse, and then the impending darkness and the cold weather, And it's easy to see why my go-to sort of mindset would be anxiety and anxious and being on alert. I've tried very hard over the years to, to combat this. So what I have often done is created ways for change to be positive, a new beginning. So I've done things, oftentimes when I look back on my life, I've rearranged my bedroom furniture at the end of the summer. I have cleaned out my closet and my drawers. Now, maybe this is to get ready for school clothes, but it's, there's something just cathartic about getting rid of things and making room for new. And I would do these things often. I went into education and my main reason for going into education was to provide children like my little brother, Jonathan, with an education that was fun and meaningful. He was, had a hard time sitting still. One of the side effects, positively speaking, of education is that every school year has a beginning and an end. So you can spend 20 years teaching in the same building, but no two years are exactly alike because you have a new set of faces in front of you and some modifications to staff and new goals and objectives. Everything is just different. You might be teaching a different grade or a different subject. So this was also sort of a good way for someone like me to put an end to something negative and bring about something positive. Also, somebody like me who really functions as a trauma survivor, my daily tasks of maintaining a level of being okay can be exhausting and takes into account all sorts of subtle things that a sort of a solid, happy, non-traumatized person might never even consider. Right now, at the end of August, we have several pretty significant changes coming up. And as is typical for me, I'm struggling with them. As is also typical, these struggles get me thinking about past August, about other Augusts that have been difficult for me. And the first August that I come to, that's a really difficult August, would be the summer of 1976. And that was when I finally had the guts to tell my mother that I was being abused. And I had gone on vacation to Montreal. The Olympics were over. We toured the Olympic Stadium. I was with my grandmother and my great aunt they come see me all the time when i visit my mediums it was august and there was huge disruption in my life anyone listening that has been the victim of child abuse specifically sexual abuse which has so much stigma to it on the part of the victim you know that when you make what's been happening to you public even if public just means one other person a huge piece of the anxiety is will they believe me or not i don't have a black eye to prove it i don't have a broken bone on an x-ray all i have is my story and my story was believed. It didn't mean that I was necessarily treated the way I should have been treated, but it was 1976 and life was very different then. I have to step back and look at it that way now. But that August was the first August since I was first abused that anyone besides me and my abuser knew about it. So I'm now going into eighth grade. I'm in the middle of my middle school experience because it was seventh, eighth, and ninth then. I remember that year as an incredibly tumultuous year. It was just different. My mother was Single mother for them, for all intents and purposes. And all of us were going for therapy. My brother Rick had a horrible year. He fell into illness. He got mono really bad. He was so sick. Everything, everything was just traumatic and stressful. And so, you know, going into that school year, as much as I had the nice clothes and the support of my family around surviving the abuse and going for therapy and all of that, it, it was very, very traumatic. And I look at the August that followed my high school years, ninth grade was still at junior high school when I was growing up. And then getting into high school, it really was step-by-step step, trying to build a better connection with August. I know for me when I started running and doing school sports that August meant activities started again. And that was a big piece of what kept me sane, so to speak, as I was you know dealing with the trauma of child abuse. The next August that truly comes to mind for me would be 1987 and that's when I started teaching. So I went to BU and of course, every August was back to college and back to running. So those were very sort of standard, typical me as the student, summer's end. My first year out of college, I was cocktail waitressing and just partying and sort of living a really crazy life. And so August into September was no different. What I did notice was that I didn't have any of the normal back to school things going on in my life. And I felt felt a bit, you know, directionless quite honestly. It was tricky for me and I didn't really care for it. So the following summer when I was applying for teaching jobs, one of the things I really looked forward to was having that back to school. And then I had that back to school all the way until Christine Rath decided I wasn't a good teacher. So 87 was was exciting for me. It was reintroducing structure into my life. It was going back to being with kids. It was having a beginning and an end. It was having a regular paycheck. And that was probably a good step in my healing as an adult, in my adult life, around my child abuse and the ramifications that it presented in my life. The next August that I truly remember would be the August that I had lost my job. So I stopped teaching in November. I resigned in January. And so all of the rest of the spring and summer were me not teaching. And then came August, and then came cross-country starting, and I'm not the coach. And then came School starting and I'm not teaching. And I remember a very specific memory. I was working at FLIPS with Robin, which was a wonderful sort of break for me. And I had just applied to and been hired at VLAX, which hadn't really started up yet. Robin had left in the middle of the day to do errands and I did a lot of the cleaning and organizing. And I remember feeling, and I have to be careful how I say this, but you know, I have a master's degree and I was educating children. And here I was by myself, you know, working for $10 an hour, vacuuming a rug. And I felt broken and I felt disheartened and I felt devastated. And I knew that this came about because of the very deliberate actions of Amy, somebody that I had been good friends with. And so I just had such a tumultuous time with that August and September. I also had neighborhood friendships that had dissipated and fallen apart. So I truly felt like I was just had just lost everything. I was able, quite honestly, between 2011 and 2000. 16, when Molly died, to piece together and put together a life that had that same beginning and end feeling. And I was able to do that through really diving into mothering Gracie and Molly. And not that I was living through them, although perhaps I was a bit living through vicariously through their experiences, not having to go to work every day, get up and go somewhere because I was teaching online. My teaching could happen at home. I could be very supportive and involved in their educational experience. And I was, I went on field trips. I volunteered all the time. I was you know I was able to to be really involved in the day-to-day life of their schooling I could bring them to school I could pick them up from school This was huge for me a huge piece of what kept me functioning and going And so August would come and what would happen Molly more than Gracie would get all excited about back to school picking out clothes She loved to go to the mall she loved to go to Rite Aid I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And she looked at nail polish and she'd look at, she would just look at everything and she would go to the seasonal aisle and that would have all the things that typically are the next season. So with fall comes Halloween, probably Molly's favorite holiday. She started talking about her Halloween costume once Easter was over. That was the rule. <laughs> no talking about Halloween until we've gotten past Easter. And so August, all of those years, all of Molly's school years and dance years and, and gymnastics years and theater years, fall, August meant back to school and she loved the structure. She loved the crisp air. She loved making room for the new clothes. She couldn't wait to see her friends. And quite honestly, Molly loved learning. School was interesting to her. It was never boring. She was able to find interest in everything. Gracie, on the other hand, could have just languished in summer forever. Once she was in school, she was fine, but she didn't have the anticipation of it that Molly did. So what does this do for me now? Well, it makes me miss Molly because the last August that is significant for me and that is fairly significant with the date that I'm recording this podcast, is Molly's last, the last August before Molly died, 2015. And that was, I've, I've talked a lot about that, go back several episodes. And I really fell into a very, very negative spiral, emotionally and mentally, and things were just awful. And that was really the beginning of the end. And so August now, in the wake of Molly's death, is a terrible month for me. I, I, I call it the Sunday of summer, how Saturday and Sunday have the same number of hours, but Saturday, your weekend stretches endlessly ahead of you. And Sunday, all you can think about is getting ready for Monday. And so July for me is the happiness of summer and August comes and it's the knot in my stomach that grows and grows. So as I'm anticipating this fall and this this August into September, and living this August into September, as usual, I have a variety of feelings. So Grace, he's done with college. There isn't really a school year starting there. Molly's not here. There's no school year starting for her either. Jack is not yet in school. So his day-to-day life is the same. So I really, when I have my school connection, I guess it would just be school board. But I do have all of the things that, that signify change. So for me this year, the two big fall changes in my life right now involve me one is the influx and the prioritization of the Molly B foundation and that i really am truly making this effort my full time job for a while does it mean i'm not going to coach crossfit no but i'm going to cut my back does it mean i'm not going to record a podcast oh heck no that's all tied in but it does mean that the structure in my day to day life becomes disciplined and succinct because i don't I, I clearly can't do it for myself sometimes but i can definitely do it for molly The second big piece that is this fall, so actually there's three things, is the release of Motherland. By the time you hear this, it will be September 12th. I will probably at that point have, at this point today as you listen, have an idea of the actual release date. Right now as I record this, a lot is still up in the air. I don't know yet when I'm going to record the book so that it can be purchased on Audible. I don't know anything. I just know that as I record right now, it's being printed and that puts a flutter in my stomach. So those are some pretty big changes the book, the publication of the book, and the focus on the Molly B Foundation. Those are gonna be some fun things coming up. I'm putting together some ideas for theater in the parks to get all of our city kids involved in theater where they don't have to travel any further than their neighborhood park to get it. The other big piece is that we're remodeling the kitchen. And this is where the most difficult piece of change is going to come. And this is truly related to Molly. And I have to be clear, and those of you that understand the grief the grief in losing a child is that not only is Molly gone, but everything that was going to happen with Molly is gone. The way that life was going to be with an alive Molly is gone. All the things she would have done will never happen. And everything changes. So it's not just grieving what you've lost, it's also grieving what will never come. And so we hold on to in our family memories and our kitchen is the heart of our house. And I think it's that way in a lot of houses. Our kitchen, when we moved in, the first thing the realtor said is, this kitchen totally needs updating. We've done nothing to the kitchen, nothing. The pantry, the fixtures, the dishwasher, we've replaced the stove once and we've replaced the fridge twice. And that's all we've done. <laughs> we've painted, but we haven't changed a thing. The beautiful pergo floor that was installed you know, 25 years ago now is still there. The kitchen remodel was something that was coming up and being talked about by Kenny and I before Molly even died. Everything, as I've said before, got put on hold when Molly died. It was just like the explosion occurred and life was just devastating as we knew it. But it's time. And it's time for a number of reasons. Jack, You know, it's not just Kenny and I living in the house with Gracie potentially moving on. We talked about that. If it was just the two of us living here, we would easily just replace fixtures and carry on with the way it it is or make minor changes. But Jack is going to grow up here. His friends are going to come here. Maybe Gracie will come and live here again after she's traveled and done different things. Maybe someday she'll raise her family here. Who's to say? But it is time to do the kitchen. And so as the universe would have it, my friend Taylor, who I met when she owned a shop called The Nest in Amesbury, is a fabulous interior designer. And and she is connected with tradesmen in this craft, interior remodeling, that function on integrity and honesty, that understand the emotions attached to rooms. So I don't feel like I could even begin this process without someone like Taylor. And that's when I just believe that the universe connects us to the people that we're supposed to meet. I never would have thought on the day I met her with my still shaved head almost, with a hat on it, covering it up, walking into her shop and and starting to chat and realizing we have 9,000 things in common. So what's good about this change? What's good about this change is I will have a beautiful welcoming modern yet looks just like it was here since the house was built, kitchen. What's hard about this? It won't look anything like it looked when Molly was here. So I can't stand in front of a window and say, I remember standing in front of this window with Molly. I won't sit at the table where the table is and think, I remember sitting here and looking across this table at Molly and behind Molly is the window and on the windowsill is the pink flashlight. All of these things will change. The windows won't even exist. We're changing the windows. The bathroom door won't exist. We're changing that. The sink in the pantry will no longer be in the pantry. It'll be a mudroom, and we'll have a door to the garage. We'll have amazing changes to our kitchen. And while it will still be the very same room with the very same energy and essence that it was when Molly lived in it, it won't be the kitchen that Molly lived in. And this is what's incredibly difficult. It's why we haven't returned to the Jersey Shore, because how can we go there when Molly isn't with us? We've gone to Disney several times. Molly never went to Disney. I could buy a house and redo the kitchen without an issue because I don't have an attachment to the kitchen. And so every night when I fall asleep, I'm thinking about the kitchen. And when I come down the back stairs in the morning, I'm thinking about the kitchen. And so what I've tried to do now the last couple of days is to come down and instead of looking at it as it was, instead of of just reliving the memories of what I'm looking at, what I'm doing now is looking at it as I've seen in the pictures, looking at it as Taylor has designed it and laid it out so that I see what she sees. And I'll get teary-eyed here because it's incredibly difficult for me not to see what I've looked at for 23 years. This August is 23 years that I've lived in this house. It's the longest I've lived any place. My family house wasn't even in our family for 23 years. That was 21 years. So, you know, it's hard for me. And so am I one of those people like Gracie that doesn't do well with change, that wants things to stay the same? I never would have thought that. I I never would have thought that in my life. The the ways that I've dealt with a lot of issues in my life are through change. Before I started recording the podcast, I looked up Native American culture on change. And I did that for two reasons. One, Native American culture is such a beautiful combination of the spiritual and the natural. and, And so many of the decisions that culture makes on their lifestyle choices, And what they do at a certain time of year is completely dependent upon the earth and the stars and the moon and the sun and all of the things that it tells us, as is typical with so many beautiful things, modern white religious culture comes in and says, all of that's evil. That, you know, that, that pagan worship is evil and it's the devil. And of course it isn't. God created this beautiful, beautiful planet and he gave us all the tools we need to listen to it and to live it, live in it harmoniously. And so, In my struggle to find out how can I be better at accepting change, I scoured the internet for articles on the idea of change in Native American culture and sort of indigenous cultures, not just Native American. Let me be clear about that. An indigenous culture is a culture that that has been on the earth in a certain place since before Western Europeans came and decided it was theirs. And and really, that's what Western Europeans did. They took over the world and decided it was theirs somehow. So I do know that in our culture we're definitely taught to make yourself happy, seek perfection, find what you want and live that way. There's nothing wrong with seeking happiness and perfection, but understanding that nothing can stay stagnant. If you look at a river, the wide, slow flowing, stagnant river is murky. You don't see the bottom of the river there because there's room in the water for things to to float and hover and collect. And then you have a waterfall, you have rapids And at the bottom of the rapids is crystal clear, beautiful river water, because that's what the tumultuous change does. It cleans it and purifies it. Not surprisingly, a lot of what I found, and I'm looking at my notes here in Native American culture are consistent with this. And so I look at my inability to enjoy the change from summer to fall as a starting point for my question. So when I put episode 106, it was season changes and change in general. So in indigenous cultures, the season changes are celebrated. It's a way to obtain and maintain harmony with the world, with the natural world specifically. So rather than bemoan the ending of summer, you celebrate the beginning of fall. So maybe it's just semantics, but it really is a mindset shift. It doesn't mean you can't long for the hazy, lazy days of summer, right? But rather than bemoan the fact that they're leaving, you bid them a loving goodbye and you look ahead to what's coming and what's positive about what's coming. There's a philosophy in Native American culture now called wellbriety. And wellbriety is a way of teaching wellness to tribe members that became alcoholics and drug addicts with the influx of white settlers. And so wellbriety promotes using change to heal. So what came right to my mind was when I first joined AA and they said a geographical cure won't work. Well, to me, wellbriety talks a bit about a geographical cure. What a geographical cure is, is removing yourself from the environment in which you're an addict into an environment that you are not. So you can't run away from your problems because they will follow you, but sometimes you can't address your problems sitting in the midst of them. So for example, very few alcoholics can get sober sitting in a bar or hanging out with other alcoholic friends. You have to extricate yourself from the reality that is feeding your addiction. You have to make those changes. So I got looking a bit more about that. And here's what I found out. That change is not just changing your job or changing your home or changing your grade or your style or your hair. There's season, seasonal changes, so winter, spring, summer, fall. There are life changes, infant, toddler, child, adolescent, young adult, older adult, elderly adult, right? And then there are personal changes personal ways that, that we change. We have emotional changes. We have mental changes, physical changes and spiritual changes. In all of these areas where we change, stagnation is never a good thing. Yes, if you break your foot and it's in a cast, you have to sit still until it can heal. We all need jello time. Jello time is one of my favorite ways to describe slowing down. When you make jello, you stir it all up with the hot water and the powder. When all the powder's dissolved, you put it in the fridge and you leave it alone. You let it sit still it has to become jello and the way it becomes jello is by sitting still i should get a shirt that says jello time and look at it every day in this philosophy changes have purpose it's not just the weather that indicates the season is changing but it's also the alignment of the sun and the moon and the stars and in cultures that would look look to the skies for direction and answers to their question these are very significant changes one of the most ceremonial times in most native american or indigenous cultures is winter Summer is busy, summer you have daylight and you have warm weather and the rain is nourishing, not damaging unless it's a flood, but the disciplined cultures use that time to plant and harvest and prepare and get ready for all the months that they don't have light and warmth and crops growing and food aplenty. And so it was the hunting and the fishing and the gathering and the planting and the the reaping and the sowing, all of that happened in the summer months. And so that was the ceremony you were ceremonial, you were spiritual, you were devoted in your actions that kept you going, right? So how do we translate this to my life? Well, day-to-day life, nourishing my body, saying, having a daily spiritual practice, saying prayers when I wake up, showing gratitude, spending time in the yard, playing with Jack, sitting with Jack, going to the gym, working out and exercising, making sure I'm healthy and well. All of these things are examples of planting the crops and, and picking the crops and hunting the meat, and processing the meat, and salting it so it lasts all winter. All of the things that, that were necessary for basic survival before modern times occurred in the summer, and the mindset is just very, very, very active and doable. When I look at summer in American culture, it's summer vacation. School is out, so you're not working hard in the summer. Oftentimes, summer is summer vacation where you wake up and what do I do now? I do know that it was very much a time of regrowth for me as a child. I loved being outside, I spent hours outside. In indigenous cultures, summer is a a busy time that isn't necessarily ceremonial. But you have these four times of year. You have the equinoxes, the vernal and autumnal equinox, March and September, where the day and the night are the same amount of hours. And then you have the solstice, the summer solstice and the winter solstice, the longest day of the year and the shortest day of the year. And these are tumultuous times. I have a good friend, Jenna, she works out at CrossFit Amesbury and she's actually going to be a guest in the next few weeks. She's very big into astrology and also into just understanding the moon and lunar energy and its effect on earth and on women and the menstrual cycle. It's, It's actually incredibly interesting, beautiful stuff when you really step out and just look at it objectively. And so I had a little conversation with her about my struggles with the seasons and how even before Molly's death and everything, I've had tumult. When I look at my tumultuous times and my super happy times, they coincide with season change. My happiest times, June, one of my favorite months. One of my roughest months, September. When am I sick all the time? November, December, when it's dark. When do I have rebirth and hope? March, as the days get longer and longer. So. There's a ceremony in indigenous culture that's the midwinter ceremony, and, and it happens the first new moon in January, so or five or six days or so after the new moon. So you're in the depth of darkness, in the depth of winter, it's beginning to head into spring. It's not the shortest days anymore, but we're not done with winter either. And in that ceremony, it's a time of reflection. The lines of communication, according to indigenous culture and astrology, the lines of communication, astrologically speaking, like with the stars astronomically speaking as well, let's be clear, it's not just astrology, are open. And so your prayers, your thoughts, what you need to ask for and what you need to let go of, have a straight shot into the universe, so to speak. Oftentimes what's done here is you cure yourself. It's a time to heal and cure yourself. It's a time to lay out your dreams and and manifest fulfilling them. It's a time to cleanse, to remove negative thoughts and cleanse your soul and have just sort of a you know, really, replacing negativity with positivity. And this is a whole ceremonial thing that everybody would take part in on whatever whatever your function was within your tribe or in your community, everybody took part in this. And then there were sacred rituals that went along with this dances and songs and prayers and foods that were prepared and drinks that were consumed. All of this involved all of these things. And so you're cleansing your soul and you're nourishing your body, and you're healing your mind and and you're replacing sadness with happiness so you're you're addressing all of it physical spiritual emotional mental so that you come into spring you come into the new year really the new year in my faith is March 21st it's the vernal equinox it's when life begins again when we get up out of the bed of winter our bare feet onto the still chilly floors of spring and begin what comes next and i just found such relief in this you know it's not changing any of the realities in my life but it makes looking ahead a little less difficult for me. A relevant story to share too is there's a guy named Justin who comes to CrossFit Amesbury. And I was talking yesterday about this very thing. Jenna was in the class as well. And so I was talking about season changes and I was talking about how I'm missing the hot summer weather. And he said, oh no, this is the best time of year. Oh my gosh. August 20th to December 1st. You have the crisp, beautiful fall days. You have the color. You have Halloween, which is a blast. You have Thanksgiving, which is just which is just a wonderful holiday where everyone gets together. He had nothing negative to say about August turning into September, becoming October, culminating with November. It's his favorite time of year. And he was as enthusiastic about it as I am about April, May, and June. And I, I just sort of stood there, two things going through my head at that moment. One, thanking the universe for having me hear this because I needed it. And two, <laughs> stands with fist, standing ground and saying, well, I'm going to continue to hate it. You know, It's my right to hate the fall. And, and it was sort of a chuckle and a laugh. All of these things sort of let me off the hook a little bit in feeling my level of tumult around summer ending and fall beginning. And the well-briety piece, it just resonated with me. And it's the first thing I saw when I serried the question about indigenous cultures and, and their feelings on season changes. It just stuck with me. Well-briety, how to be well and sobriety isn't just alcohol and drugs sobriety can be if you have an eating disorder and you and you string together you know 3 months of not puking your food or starving yourself you've been sober for 3 months you haven't been participating in the intoxication of your disability or your behavior whatever it is in looking at how do i make this change i have a 2 year old i'm going to have a million augusts into september well okay maybe 18 or so where Jack ends his summer vacation and begins school, whatever that looks like for us and whatever our life is like at that time. It's not like my ability to have a beginning and a middle and an end to the school year or to the end of summer to beginning of summer ends. I will always have it. This is now, 2023, a tumultuous change for me because big things are happening, but they're not bad things, they're good things. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast by listing some of the good things that are happening. So Jack, as you all know, started tap dancing, (laughs) doing little kids dance last winter. And he was in the recital and we have a DVD of the recital. And when Jack is upset and struggling, one of his favorite things to do is watch the Concord Dance Academy 2023 recital on the big stage. It's a pretty important DVD for me because it's the last recording that John Graffaire did before he passed away from cancer. And he's a huge piece of my life. I've talked about him as well in a couple of blog posts and prior episodes. So when we watch it, I realized that John was watching it as well. So I feel like I'm standing next to John watching the dance recital. And that's tender for me. Jack loves it. And every time he watches it, he's got a little bit more of it memorized and a little bit more of it together. And so this morning, just a couple of hours before I recorded this, he cut his foot on a little nail that sticks out of the carpet, one of those carpet nails on the stairs. And oh, he cried and cried. And so he just wanted to sit on the bed and watch the big stage, DVD, the big stage. And so we put it on. So the first dance has Kayla Taylor in it, and it's in hunger and the whole, it's a big musical theater number. It's Tina Turner rolling on the river. So Kayla is sort of the star and then everyone dances around her, but there are like, you know, 35 kids in the dance. So Jack has different pieces of it that stand out to him. And right now he's fixated on the two of the boys that dance in this dance. And he's, he's fixated on what they do and that they pick up Kayla and he wants to pick up Kayla. And someday I pick up the dancers and I'm on the big stage and he's just, he's just obsessed with it. So a really nice change that will come with August into September is Jack will resume tap class. And it's something now that he finds great pleasure in. He watches each dance. He has songs that he likes. He knows the words to the songs. He sings along. I really could film him watching the DVD <laughs> and make a DVD. It's, it's, the most, it's just the most beautiful thing. And what it speaks to me is that he is very naturally connected to music and movement. He's listening to songs. The words are meaningful to him. He has favorites. He watches the dancers. He copies the dancers. He now translates that into when he will next be at dance. I love this. It fills my heart. Does it also remind me of Gracie and Molly? Damn right it does. So it's a, it's a nice, familiar, positive piece of August into September. Jack-Jack going to Concord Dance Academy. If you have children that like to dance wherever you live, dance lessons are wonderful. And there are a variety of studios that all promote different methods and styles of dance and different teaching methods. You find the one that fits for you. There's no one way to dance. Concord Dance Academy and Cindy Flanagan has worked for us. Maria, Hillary, Meredith, Jen, all of those teachers, Anna, you know, I I just have such so many happy memories of, of dance there. So that's a piece of our fall. That's something new that will come in September. Gracie has a new passion now for getting back to Disney. And so her fall is going to change right now. She's still at the childcare center. She's going to cut way back on those hours. She's going to start working at Concord Dance Academy again. So any of you Concord folks want Miss Gracie to teach your kid, sign them up. She's going to dance more herself. She's got two or three different ideas and places where she can get back into the dance studio and really regain her dancing body and, and also have music and movement in her life again. Should she end up returning to Disney, that's another huge change. And that will likely happen at the culmination of this year. So probably more towards spring that's a wonderful thing. Those are all positive changes for Gracie. And I think this last year has been a bit similar for her. She came back from her Disney experience and didn't start into something new. She just sort of resumed a job, just sort of let life sort of go by. And there was no sort of beginning, middle and end for her. And so it was tricky and difficult. Kenny, I think Kenny's life is probably the life that is the least changed by the season's. I mean, he can't golf as much, but quite honestly, he doesn't golf a whole lot anyway. He's got some physical issues that manifest themselves and prevent him from being as active as he'd like to be. However, he's a huge supporter in what it takes to make the changes in my life, Jack's life and Gracie's life possible. He's like the mother. <laughs> and I don't say that to disregard fathers, but you know, we have these ideas that parents do certain things because that's the role they're supposed to play. And I feel that There's nothing wrong with gender specific roles if they're equally respected and easily interchanged when one needs help with the other. So Kenny and I go back and forth on all of those things. I do a lot more of the maintenance of the house. He does a lot more of the preparing of the food and that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with that. His dinners taste much better than mine. You know, Another significant August for me was 2018 when we had settled the lawsuit and I finally decided to free myself of addiction. And to fix my face and really try to have Jack and go off all the medication I had to go off to make Jack happen. That was a huge August. I started working with Karen Kenney. Here I am looking at a rainy August day out my window, knowing that September is coming, knowing that August 28th, the eighth anniversary of the, the final nail in the coffin that would be the beginning of the end of Molly, all of those things come in the fall. And, and I have managed to recreate negativity in the fall many times in my life. My whole relationship with Roy started in August and September of 2009. So so I have to be willing to acknowledge the mistakes I've made in the fall, to acknowledge my desire to recreate in a positive way but somehow subconsciously follow those subconscious tapes playing in my head and setting myself up for yet another tragedy. I do not want any more tragedies and I am working so hard to adjust my mindset. Doing the 75 hard has been, has been a wonderful piece of this. You know, that will end for me September 13th. Tomorrow, as you're listening to this podcast, but there are elements of it that I won't stop doing. I, I feel too good and I'm having clarity of mind in ways that I can't wrap my head around. I work with Carolina and with Judy. My mindset coach and my web designer are stunning and changing and becoming more focused. Both of them have said, I haven't seen this clarity in you ever. And so I'm hoping that just translates into all of it, into my podcast, into the book, into the next book, into what might become with the Molly B Foundation. I very much want this August to stand out in years to come as one I remember because it was the beginning of the next step of my ability to heal. I look at and relook and re-examine my life, and I, I see so many patterns, and all of them have the possibility of good things. So I'm going to ask all of you, those of you that are praying people, just put me on or keep me on your prayer list and just and just pray for detachment for me pray for focus and pray for me to push away the the demons of self you know the self hatred that i still fight on a daily basis so that i can follow through on the things that i want to follow through on the things that molly deserves to have me do and i really try to focus that focus my things on molly and just pray for my health and well-being and again send suggestions my way I realized so many of these things I can't do myself, but I'm in a I'm in a place now. I'm I'm about 55 days no alcohol, no unhealthy food, working out every day, reflecting and meditating every day, reading every day, drinking a boatload of water every day, taking supplements. I'm addressing it all, physical, spiritual, emotional, social. My indigenous roots, whatever they may or may not be, wherever my indigenous roots are, I'm trying to reconnect myself that way to God and to earth and to the stars and the sun. And I know it all sounds hokey, but it's important to me right now. So as you enter into September, as you, we're 12 days in now as you're listening to this. So love and tenderness and memory to the September 11 families who suffered the most direct impacts of that day and love to all of you and all of us in this fragmented but wonderful country of Mars, right? Be good to yourself. Be good to yourself by paying it forward and being good to someone else. And then be good to someone else, right? <laughs> and as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444. On Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.